Welcome to TCC Alive, a podcast of Tulare Community Church. Lord be with you, TCC, and a good day to you. Uh, my name is Ryan. I'm one of the pastors here at Tulare Community Church. If this is your first time joining us in this format, if this is your first time maybe even viewing church in any way, shape, or form, I want to let you know just how glad that I am that we are, that you are here, connecting via some kind of screen. Uh, If you are ready to be known, I invite you to shoot our church office an email or even to go old school and to give us a phone call. We would be delighted to get to know you, to know your name, and to learn a little bit about your story. We're continuing through our sermon series that we're calling Songs for the Seasons, which might be beginning to make a little more sense as we are now supposedly in fall. Uh, And we have been looking at the book of Psalms for the last few months in this sermon series. Now, the book of Psalms, it's found in the Old Testament, and it's essentially the prayer book for the entirety of Scripture. Last week, Pastor Shane walked us through what the Psalms have to say about God as judge. And in our sort of rendition of good cop, bad cop, we will this week be looking at the what, where, and who of God's mercy. As we embark on this journey, uh, Psalm 57 will be our roadmap. And so I invite you to listen closely and to listen well to the word of the Lord from Psalm 57. It says, Have mercy on me, my God. Have mercy on me, for in you I take refuge. I will take refuge in the shadow of your wings until the disaster has passed. I cry out to God most high, to God who vindicates me. He sends from heaven and saves me, rebuking those who hotly pursue me. God sends forth his love and his faithfulness. I am in the midst of lions. I am forced to dwell among ravenous beasts, men whose teeth are spears and arrows, whose tongues are sharp swords. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. They spread a net for my feet. I was bowed down in distress. They dug a pit in my path, but they have fallen into it themselves. My heart, O God, is steadfast. My heart is steadfast. I will sing and make music. Awake, my soul. Awake, harp and lyre. I will awaken the dawn. I will praise you, Lord, among the nations. I will sing of you among the peoples. For great is your love reaching to the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches to the skies. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Some things happen for a reason. Some don't, but Christ is. This is our roadmap today from Psalm 57. Some things happen for a reason. Some don't, but Christ is. 
We'll return to that third point a little while later. But first, some things happen for a reason. Now, Psalm 57 is written by David. It's the same David that we looked at a few weeks ago when we were looking at Psalm 51. But Psalm 57 is written before David has become king. It's written while David is on the run. A little preamble to our psalm, it says, For the director of music, to the tune of Do Not Destroy, of David, a miktam, when he had fled from Saul into the cave. When he had fled from Saul into the cave. Now, context is everything, and the reading plan for this week included quite a few chapters from the book of 1 Samuel. I hope you had a chance to read them, but if you didn't, here's a a quick synopsis. David is a young shepherd boy when the Philistines challenged the Israelites to a sort of gladiator one-on-one winner-takes-all duel. If the Philistines guy wins, then Israel must be subservient to them. They must serve the, uh, the Philistines and vice versa. Now, the Philistines send this guy Goliath. I know you've heard that name. He's this giant of a man, and the Israelites are freaked out. No one challenges Goliath for 40 days. He just stands there taunting all of Israel. Now, David, he sort of brags about how he's killed lions and bears in hand-to-hand combat when they've attacked his family's sheep. And so he says, well, shoot, I'll do it. And he does. He takes out Goliath with a slingshot, right? He gets the five smooth stones. And David becomes famous, becomes a great warrior. He's known throughout the kingdom. But the king of Israel, a guy named Saul, he gets angry, gets jealous, and a little bit nervous that his throne might be in jeopardy. Now, Saul tries to have David killed by sending him into battle, which is a little ironic based on on what we looked at a few weeks ago from Psalm 51. But David's best friend, a guy named Jonathan, who also happens to be Saul's son, keeps David in the loop and instructs him, dude, you got to get out of here. So David flees, and he goes to what's called the Cave of Adullam, which brings us full circle back to Psalm 57 when it says, when he had fled from Saul into the cave. All right, now, unlike Psalm 51, in which case David was begging for mercy after he'd committed adultery and murder, David in Psalm 57 begs for mercy because Saul wants his head and things have gone south in a hurry. But strangely, David writes in in verses 7 to 8, he says, My heart, O God, is steadfast. My heart is steadfast. I will sing and make music. Awake, my soul. Awake, harp and lyre. I will awaken the dawn. I will sing and make music. Well, see, the the soldiers, they'd begun to see that Saul was a little bit off his rocker, if you would. And the soldiers had begun to leave. And in the process, Samuel, 1 Samuel tells us that 400 soldiers had fled from Saul and they joined David at the cave and anointed him as their commander. 
My heart, O God, is steadfast. My heart is steadfast. I will sing and make music. Awake, my soul. Awake, harp and lyre. I will awaken the dawn. Now, I'm a born and raised uh, fifth-generation Californian, but I went to the University of Michigan to run track and field. I wasn't the best on our team, but I also never got cut. Pretty middle-of-the-road kind of guy. I loved being an athlete. I loved the status. I loved the gear. I loved swaggering around on campus. Uh, Athletes, we would call other students NARPs. Uh, That means non-athlete, regular person. Still a little embarrassed about that one, but I came in as a high jumper. I got redshirted my freshman year to train to be a decathlete. Training 35 hours a week. I feel like I'm on the up and up. Things are going well. First meet my sophomore season. Can't sleep the night before. I'm so excited. I've been working so hard. It's a home, indoor meet, and I'm supposed to compete in the long jump. Adrenaline pumping. I got the big block M on my chest, and I sprint down the runway. I leap as high and as far as I can, but when my feet hit the sand, they stick. My legs stay grounded, and my upper body continues to travel forward. I immediately feel this pop in the back of my left leg. I tried to jog it off, but I later learned that I had torn my hamstring. Just devastation. I tried to come back a couple more times and was even able to finish a full decathlon, but after the season... I told my coach that I knew I had nothing left in the tank and my career was over. Identity shattered. My sense of self obliterated. Confidence nowhere to be found. And so with nothing to do that summer, I, I live moved in with my mom, North Carolina, I worked as a mover. I was desperate for something, for anything, and I actually went to church. And on a Monday night, in a group of skeptics, I heard the gospel preached for the very first time. I knew that Jesus was what I had actually been looking for for my entire life. And so, had I not gotten injured, I would not have become a disciple of Jesus. I would not have met my wife, and I certainly would not be here with you all now. Verses 9 to 10, they say, I will praise you, Lord, among the nations. I will sing of you among the peoples, for great is your love reaching to the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches to the skies. See, if Saul hadn't chased David down out of pure jealousy, the soldiers, they never would have fled. And they never would have anointed David as their commander. And if David had never been anointed as their commander, he very well may never have become their king. See, sometimes things happen for a reason. And we can see God's mercy at work even amidst the pain and the confusion. Right? Someone gave me this analogy once. They said, if you and I plotted our lives on a graph, 
We would think it was sort of over here and over there and up and down and left and right, absolute mess. But when God plots our lives on a graph, he sees it as a straight line. Sometimes things happen for a reason. And while it can be done more easily from 30,000 feet, we often see the hand of God at work in our lives after we walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Like the good, loving, heavenly Father that He is, God knows that we've got to scrape our knees a few times before we can ride our proverbial bikes through life in the way that He desires for us to ride. So what is mercy exactly? Well, sometimes things happen for a reason. And sometimes they don't. Verse 4, Psalm 57 says, I'm in the midst of lions. I am forced to dwell among ravenous beasts, men whose teeth are spears and arrows, whose tongues are sharp swords. I wonder, can you relate to this at all? To this sensation of feeling like the walls are closing in, like no matter what step you take, some danger lurks around the corner, that words, even benign ones, can begin to cut to your very core. While writing Psalm 57, David, he'd been a pretty good guy up until this point, right? He'd done everything he was supposed to. He was a good soldier. He was a good friend. He was a good brother. He was a good son. And yet, he finds himself in a cave fleeing for his life. He says in 1 Samuel 20, verse 1, he says to Jonathan, What have I done? What is my crime? How have I wronged your father that he is trying to kill me? Maybe you find yourself or someone you love saying something similar. I don't get it. I went to school, I worked hard, and I took a leap of faith. I started a business. I took out the right loans, I got input on my business plan, I got the perfect location, and now everything is gone, washed away by the pandemic, and I am drowning in debt that I have no idea how to pay off, and I don't think there is even a light at the end of this tunnel. I'm in the midst of lions. I'm forced to dwell among ravenous beasts, men whose teeth are spears and arrows, whose tongues are sharp swords. Kate Bowler, she's a professor of history at Duke University in North Carolina. She's a successful writer, scholar. She's a wife, a mother, a follower of Jesus. When she was 35, she was diagnosed with stage 4 cancer tumor in her stomach the size of a golf ball. She was forced to reconcile her belief and understanding of God's mercy with the fact that she had been diagnosed with an incurable disease even though she was young, active, and healthy. She wrote a book about her experience and she called it Everything Happens for a Reason and Other Lies I Have Loved. Now, if you don't want a strike to the gut, then I recommend you don't listen to this when she writes, Everything happens for a reason. 
The only thing worse than saying this is pretending that you know the reason. I've had hundreds of people tell me the reason for my cancer because of sin, because of unfaithfulness, because God is fair, because God is unfair, because of my aversion to Brussels sprouts. I mean, no one is short of reasons. So if people tell you this, make sure you are there when they go through the cruelest moments of their lives and start offering your own. When someone is drowning, the only thing worse than failing to throw them a life preserver is handing them a reason. Friends, sometimes things happen for a reason, and sometimes they don't. And yet, if God is merciful, which we as Christians believe to be true, And if he is omnipotent, then how are we meant to reconcile what we know and believe to be true about God with our circumstances, with loss, with pain, when it seems to lack any rhyme or reason? Right? If we're honest, it can feel like we are in the midst of lions, and often we have absolutely no idea why. And we can ask the question, where is mercy In that. Our final point this morning, the beginning of our psalm, starts like this. It says in verse 1, Have mercy on me, my God. Have mercy on me, for in you I take refuge. I will take refuge in the shadow of your wings until the disaster has passed. Now, the Hebrew word used by David for mercy here is haneni. That means to bend or to stoop to an inferior. So essentially, David is saying, I am as low as I can get, and I can't get up by myself, so Lord, I need you to come down to me. David is scared. He's not asking for mercy in the form of retribution against Saul, his pursuer. Don't get me wrong. There's some pretty brutal psalms wishing for the terrible demise of enemies, but that's not David's M.O. here. He's saying, have mercy, Lord. Bend down to me, Lord. Stoop low for me, Lord. Please. It's not diminutive towards God. It is a scared child reaching up his arms for his father. David asks God for help in Psalm 57, to be sure, but David also simply asks for God, for God to be his refuge, for God to be his safety. Like a hen keeping its chicks warm, dry, and safe from harm, so David asks God to hold him in his presence. I will take refuge in the shadow of your wings until the disaster has passed. And so what is mercy? Mercy is the all-powerful creator of the universe, stooping low, taking on human flesh, subjecting himself to the frailty of the human body. Where is mercy? Well, mercy is found outside of Jerusalem on Golgotha on a cross. A sinless man suffering for the transgressions of the entire human race, speaking words of forgiveness. They know not what they do until the very end. 
And who is mercy? Mercy is the one who paid the ultimate price for you and me so that our relationship with God, the Father Almighty, could be restored. Mercy is the word. He is our Lord and Savior, Emmanuel, meaning literally God with us, whose sacrifice promises us that even when there seems to be no reason for the pain, no reason for the confusion, no reason for the suffering, that God is with us in it every single step of the way, and that he knows what we are going through because he experienced every ounce of it himself on the cross. What is mercy? Christ is. Where is mercy? Christ is. Who is mercy? Christ is. I'll give the last word to a French lawyer, theologian of antiquity, one of the founding fathers of Reformed theology, John Calvin. He said there are seasons when we are privileged to enjoy the calm sunshine of prosperity. But there is not a day of our lives in which we may not suddenly be overtaken by storms of affliction, and it is necessary. We should be persuaded that God will cover us with his wings. Friends, some things happen for a reason. Some don't. But no matter what, Christ is. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you want to know more about the ministries and mission of Tulare Community Church, visit us at tccalive.org.